Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, blockades continue despite a call from the Prime Minister to obey court injunctions. The barricades must now come down. The injunctions must be obeyed and the law must be upheld. The company behind the tech frontier mine pulls its application. If their central issue was carbon emissions, they would have stepped in and stopped the McKinnis cement factory in Gaspésie. They wouldn't be subsidizing Bombardier in, in Quebec and the auto companies in Ontario that are responsible ultimately for massive CO2 emissions. It's not about emissions. It's not about environment. It appears to be about the West. And Peter McKay says there would be no carbon tax under a Conservative government led by him. In that same interview, he was talking about, you know, we'll just get big emitters to pay. And that does satisfy some people uh, on climate change, but not, not a huge majority. It's Monday, February 24th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Mark. So a lot is already happening today uh, on a number of fronts. Let's start with the blockades. Bring us up to date on where we stand as the week starts. The Prime Minister, of course, changed direction, changed tone and message on Friday. uh, And uh, I think it raises a lot of questions about uh, where we're likely to go this week, even today. Uh, Yeah, I think this is a minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour thing. The OPP... Um, issued a, a deadline for the the barricades and, and protesters to get out of there. They they gave them a, a they they offered no prosecution or no charges. Did they just said uh, get out by midnight? But last I'm hearing on the radio, uh, nothing is nothing has changed yet. Uh, the protest is still there. They re- said they were still waiting for assurances. The RCMP had left the but so in lands in um, in British Columbia, so um, it's you know it's either building to some kind of crisis or it's going to gently wane away today. I think we're all hoping for the latter. But um, as of midnight last night, and as of this morning, what we have now is a deadline, but um, not much else movement, not much else moving anyway. What do you think is behind the Prime Minister's decision to change his message? From what I could understand late in the week, and you know, I'm sure more events have happened over the weekend, but I do know from talking to them that uh, what was frustrating was the absolute lack of contact and the fact that, that uh, the offer had been made and days and days and days went by before the hereditary chiefs were simply not talking to the federal government. And I, I think uh, being on hold that long, um, getting no response, you you actually heard in the prime minister's voice. And I heard you could hear ministers talking over the weekend to a certain frustration with the idea that that the government had offered to talk and they were getting nothing at the end of the line. The same is feeling we might have if you're on hold forever with somebody. Yeah. So uh, what do you think all this means? Is there, uh, and I I guess it's changing by the hour, but uh, is there a reasonable hope that this can be resolved peacefully or is this still a volatile situation? It's still a volatile situation, I think. Um, The police do not want to provoke a confrontation and I think you've seen 
sort of gestures of, of goodwill all the way along over the past few days, too. You know, they telling the protesters, go home, we're not going to charge you, we're not going to throw you in jail. I, I take it that was a big concern uh, last week, conveyed to Mark Miller and, and other ministers that... Uh, that the, the protesters, especially near Belleville, were worried that if they took the blockades down, they would be charged. So the OPP did say to them, look, take it down, everybody goes home, and let's let end this peacefully. But that's, as of this morning, still not happening. All right, let's turn to the tech frontier mine and the fact that the company behind it has pulled its application. So we were expecting a decision on that this week. It would have been a very controversial decision for the Prime Minister and for Cabinet. There are members of the Liberal Caucus who are opposed to it, who don't feel that it's appropriate for it to be approved. Has the Prime Minister been spared uh, another difficult decision here? Yes, my colleague Heather Schofield wrote a a very good column in the Star late last night with this decision out there. The relief will only be uh, five minutes long because the the reasons given for the the withdrawal uh, text reasons were that Canada basically, the, the letter basically said, Canada, you don't have your act together. Canada and Alberta, by the way, Canada and Alberta, you do not have your act together on reconciling climate change and resource development, that uh, that companies need a plan. And I, I think there, there will be a temptation, you see it on social media already, for uh, Trudeau's critics, uh, conservatives, to, uh, to, you know, to dance all over the grave of, um, of this tech mine cancellation, too. But it is an indictment of how the conversation has been politicized and polarized to a degree now that it doesn't feel safe or prudent to invest in here, too. And I think uh, the, the three weeks of blockades plays into this, too. These, these events, while not directly connected, are pretty much connected. There is a feeling right now in Canada that, of, that a lot of things are not being reconciled. They've been politicized, and that is um, the fault of both sides in this. Not to mention the fact that the dynamics don't go away and there will be other applications, other decisions that this government will have to make. It's a, it's a messy business, naturally, balancing the economy and the environment, as the government has already discovered many times. Yeah, one wonders if it can be done. You know, it's, um, I, I, I do think the private sector is ahead of, of the politicians on this one, too. It is way, way too easy for the politicians to say, look, it's you guys have to get your, you know, you guys have to play along with uh, with me. But um, I, I do think that nothing has been helped at all. I, I wrote this last week, too. I don't think anything that happened in Parliament last week helped the blockades. In fact, may have made the situation worse. What, we, you know, we see in the United States, this, this rush to the extremes on things. And... Uh, I'm not sure what Parliament is going to do today, but I predict it is going to be a crazy day in there today. All right, let's turn to the Conservative leadership race. On the weekend, Peter McKay, the presumed frontrunner, did an interview on television in which he said that the Paris climate targets, uh, the emissions reduction targets, are aspirational. 
and a conservative government under his leadership would not impose a carbon tax. Um, what do you think about that? And is this more about uh, gaining support within the Conservative Party, which is what he's focused on now, as compared to uh, a federal election? I'm wonder- wondering if uh, if Mr. McKay would be saying that, given what's happened over the weekend here, they, that is saying no to a carbon tax and saying, uh, and criticizing the government's plan is not the same as having a plan as the Conservatives discovered during the uh, the last election. I think um, Mr. McKay is, and we've talked about this a lot, um, there are two different contests here for the whoever becomes Conservative leader winning over the Conservatives, um, but you to to win to be prime minister, uh, you have to win over people who didn't vote conservative last time too, and we heard that that uh, that was an issue with some voters, uh, important voters that the conservatives needed in last campaign. So uh, maybe this is a two stage process by Peter McKay. He's going to have um, you know say all the right things to the conservatives, but I think should he win, he's going to have have to have a bigger climate plan than that. Yeah, and the question becomes, what does that look like if it doesn't have a carbon tax, right? Right, right. And, you know, he's talked about, you know, tax the big emitters. Um, That's the problem. But there there is an element of magical thinking around this whole idea that it's somebody else's fault, some other country's fault, some, uh, the, the big corporation's fault. But I think the, what we're hearing and what we're learning is that any a successful climate plan has to involve individuals at the individual level, right. whether that's a tax or some kind of uh, reining in of consumption. All right, Susan, great to have your comments on all these topics. Thank you for joining us today. You too, Mark. That's Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Globe and Mail questions liberal claims that they've made the process for recommending judges for appointment less political. The Globe writes, What the liberals don't like to make public is that the justice minister shares the list of assessed candidates with liberal MPs, and even with party volunteers. MPs are allowed to look at the names of candidates who come from their ridings, and their feedback is given to the PMO. It's hard to imagine that seeking feedback from Liberal MPs can serve any purpose other than one that is partisan. At the conversation, Heather Lawford and Heather L. Ramey argue in favor of young people and their motivations. They write, Young people are often labeled problematic, selfish, or not yet ready to lead. In fact, young people do share a concern for the future and their contribution to it. Rather than focusing on what they lack, much more focus can be placed on their capacity and desire to have a positive and lasting impact. At the same time that we're asking young people who they want to be, we should be asking them what kind of world they want to leave behind. In the Toronto Star, Robin Sears argues, Americans are demonstrating how to buy an election. Sears writes, Until the 70s, buying elections was rather simple, but Canada cleaned up the process and now has one of the cleanest election finance systems in the world. Meanwhile, in the U.S., some are predicting this will be the first $10 billion presidential cycle. We can thank the political players in 1974 Canada who understood the risks of allowing elections to be seen as for sale. Looking at the tawdry nature of American political spending underlines the importance of the limits they created. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. 
The focus today remains on the rail blockades and the standoff concerning the proposed pipeline through Wet'suwet'en territory in northern British Columbia. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, starting at 9 this morning, Ottawa authorities are expecting a few hundred protesters to converge on Parliament Hill in support of the blockades across the country and the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs who oppose the coastal gas link pipeline. It's also expected that in addition to rallying on Parliament Hill, they will probably be attempting to disrupt and block traffic in an attempt to get their message across in the heart of downtown Ottawa. This all comes after a weekend of marches across the country in sympathy with the BC pipeline opponents and amidst reports that the OPP, the Ontario Provincial Police, have given the Mohawk manning the barricades on the CN Rail near Tyendinaga, near Belleville, Ontario, until midnight on Sunday night, that's last night, to start dismantling their barricades or else face charges and further action. All of this while many Canadians' patience is running thin since Prime Minister Trudeau launched his call last Friday for discussions to start with hereditary chiefs and his federal ministers, there still hasn't been any sign of such meetings to try to defuse this standoff. Thanks, Martin. Also today, Treasury Board President Jean-Yves Duclos will speak at the annual general meeting of the Federal Black Employee Caucus in Ottawa. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, February the 24th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.